Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 9 from the World English Bible. So all Israel were listed by genealogies, and behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. Judah was carried away captive to Babylon for their disobedience. Now the first inhabitants who lived in their possessions in their cities were Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the temple servants. In Jerusalem lived of the children of Judah, of the children of Benjamin, and of the children of Ephraim and Manasseh, Uthai, the son of Amahad, the son of Omri, the son of Imri, the son of Benai, of the children of Perez, the son of Judah, of the Shilonites, Asaiah the firstborn and his sons, of the sons of Zerah, Jeuel and their brothers, 690, of the sons of Benjamin, Salu the son of Meshulam, the son of Hadaviah, the son of Hasanua, and Ibnaiah the son of Jehoram, and Elah the son of Uzi, the son of Mikri, and Meshulam the son of Sheftaiah, the son of Reuel, the son of Ibnijah, and their brothers, according to their generations, 956. All these men were heads of fathers' households by their fathers' houses. Of the priests, Jedaiah, Jehoiarib, Jachin, and Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Zadok, the son of Marioth, the son of Ahitub, the ruler of God's house, and Adaiah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Pashur, the son of Malkijah, and Maasai, the son of Adael, the son of Jazerah, the son of Meshulam, the son of Meshilamith, the son of Immer, and their brothers, heads of their fathers' houses, 1,760, very able men for the work of the service of God's house. Of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, the son of Azrakam, the son of Hashabiah, of the sons of Merari, and Bakbakar, Haresh, Galal, and Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zikri, the son of Asaph, and Obadiah, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Galal, the son of Jeduthun, and Berechiah, the son of Asa, the son of Elkanah, who lived in the villages of the Netophathites. The gatekeepers, Shalom, Akub, Talmon, Ahiman, and their brothers. Shalman was the chief who previously served in the king's gate eastward. They were the gatekeepers for the camp of the children of Levi. Shalom the son of Kor, the son of Ebiasaph, the son of Korah and his brothers of his father's house, the Korahites, were over the work of the service, keepers of the thresholds of the tent. Their fathers had been over Yahweh's camp, keepers of the entry. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, was ruler over them in time past, and Yahweh was with him. Zechariah, the son of Meshelamiah, was gatekeeper of the door of the tent of meeting. All these who were chosen to be gatekeepers in the thresholds were 212. These were listed by genealogy in their villages, 
whom David and Samuel the seer ordained in their office of trust. So they and their children had the oversight of the gates of Yahweh's house, even the house of the tent, as guards. On the four sides were the gatekeepers, toward the east, west, north, and south. Their brothers in their villages were to come in every seven days from time to time to be with them, for the four chief gatekeepers, who were Levites, were in an office of trust and were over the rooms and over the treasuries in God's house. They stayed around God's house because that duty was on them, and to their duty was its opening morning by morning. Certain of them were in charge of the vessels of service, for these were brought in by count, and these were taken out by count. Some of them also were appointed over the furniture and over all the vessels of the sanctuary, over the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the frankincense, and the spices. Some of the sons of the priests prepared the mixing of the spices. Mattathiah, one of the Levites, who was the firstborn of Shalom the Korahite, had the office of trust over the things that were baked in pans. Some of their brothers, of the sons of the Kohathites, were over the showbread to prepare it every Sabbath. These are the singers, heads of their father's households of the Levites, who lived in the rooms and were free from other service, for they were employed in their work day and night. These were heads of fathers' households of the Levites throughout their generations, chief men. These lived at Jerusalem. Jeiel, the father of Gibeon, whose wife's name was Maaka, lived in Gibeon with his firstborn son, Abdon, Zur, Kish, Baal, Nur, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, Zechariah, and Mikloth. Mikloth became the father of Shimeam. They also lived with their brothers in Jerusalem, near their brothers. Nur became the father of Kish. Kish became the father of Saul. Saul became the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbaal. The son of Jonathan was Merabbaal. Merabbaal became the father of Micah. The sons of Micah, Pithon, Melech, Tariah, and Ahaz. Ahaz became the father of Jara. Jara became the father of Elamath, Asmavath, and Zimri. Zimri became the father of Moza. Moza became the father of Biniah and Rephaiah, his son, Elaasa, his son, and Azel, his son. Azel had six sons whose names were these, Azrakam, Bochuru, Ishmael, Sheraiah, Obadiah, and Hanan. These were the sons of Azel. That is the end of chapter 9. Let me start out here first by saying, saying again that I understand the whole Bible is about pointing to Jesus from creation as it confirms in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and Colossians 1, 15 through 18, through all of the prophecies. Even these genealogies, which are part of the historical record, which are chronicling, yes, chronicling, how God was both keeping his promises to Abraham and to the nation, how he was working out the hope given to Eve in Genesis 3.15, which is revealed incrementally both in prophecy and in history. So here in this first section of Chronicles, which has been chapters 1 through 9, the genealogies are showing that these were indeed people, the descendants of Abraham, that the promises were given to and the promises 
were through, and they came back after the exile to Babylon. That's a summary of chapters 1 through 7. Then chapter 8 summarizes more specifically, so as not to be misunderstood, the beginning of the kings of Israel. Saul shown not to be from the prophesied lineage of Judah. And then here in chapter 9, it's zeroing in on who lives in Jerusalem now, now being at the time this was written. It makes sense that those of Judah and Benjamin were in Jerusalem because this was either their territory by lot or they were very close to it. And the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh were just north and northeast of there. So that makes sense that some of them would end up living there as well, especially if the land on a whole at this point when they're coming back is still a little on the wild side from the absence of the proper Israelite nation's governance there which we'll hear more about later in Ezra and Nehemiah. So here in chapter 9, after saying which tribes were dwelling in Jerusalem, the writer gives specific names and households, as well as numbers of men. We have 690 men of Judah, as it says in verses 4 and 6, 956 men of Benjamin, as it says in verses 9 and 7, and 1,760 of the priests, so Levites, from verses 10 and 13. It looks to me like the 212 gatekeepers mentioned in verse 22 are included in the number 1,760 from the priests and Levites because they're in that group. So if you add up the 690, the 956, and the 1,760, it comes to 3,406 which is actually not a lot of people compared to the previous counts. Now, going over the overall records of the other tribes in chapters 4 through 7, I don't find number totals for all of them. But in chapter 5, verse 18, we have a total that includes the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh on that side of the Jordan for 44,760. In chapter 7, verse 5, it says Issachar was 87,000. Chapter 7, 12 lists Benjamin as 17,200 men. Chapter 7, verse 40 lists from the tribe of Asher 26 thousand men. And this all compared to that 3,406 in Jerusalem. The duties of the Levites are given the most space in this section, with verse 22 mentioning that some of these delineations of duty were initiated by David and Samuel the seer. Now, the order of the names is interesting because we know that Samuel died before David officially took up the role of king, even though Samuel was the one to anoint him. And this makes me wonder if they had some conversations that weren't recorded, though it could just be that the king is mentioned first honorifically and that Samuel had already done some organizing of the Levites and their duties. He was, after all, the judge leader for a pretty significant chunk of time. Then verse 13 emphasizes that these men were very able for the work. A lot of this work did require strength as well as trustworthiness. And it's interesting that they do bring up the example of Phineas in verse 20, which brings to mind physical battle to preserve the nation. Now, I'll just take this opportunity to say that I do not see any biblical grounds for applying this to any other nation or national honor today. Defense is one thing, which I do think groups of people can agree to do to support one another, but I don't support the way that most governments do military and war. 
but specifically the spreading of democracy, is used as a pretense of doing such things, and that's not valid. Democracy is nowhere biblically given the mantle of God's holy law. No other nation is nationally, as a people group, chosen to represent him. Yes, peoples and nations can and should strive to operate under the principles of the love of God and the love of neighbor. Recall that this sums up the law. But no other people can claim, rightly claim, to be God's holy people as a nation. In our era, his holy people are those who have been born again in his church and not by man-made organizations. So back to the chapter, we hear of gatekeepers who were in charge of the treasuries and the opening of the tabernacle every morning. Other specific duties were caring for furnishings and implements and singing. The singers are described in verse 33 as being set aside, fully committed to singing to the exclusion of other duties. Now, the wording here in the World English Bible was a little confusing where it says these are the singers. But if you look at it more closely, it seems to be saying that talking about them as a group, that they are fully devoted to singing. And if you look at the NIV, it puts it this way those who were musicians, and even Young's literal translation says, and these who sing dot, dot, dot are free. So it is designating them as a group, not meaning to list them or say, look for the names next. Then in verse 35, the topic goes over to the family of Saul again, being worded nearly exactly the same as chapter 8, verses 29 through 38, but not including all of the details there. And it is here, however, that we find out that the name of Maaka's husband was Jael. A couple of other names have different spellings, but are really close, such as in verse 37 here, Zechariah is the same as Zechar in chapter 8, verse 31. Now, recall that Jonathan was significantly older than David. And for that, I refer you again to the chronology of the Old Testament, page 97, where it shows how Jonathan was probably at least 28 years older than David. So David was probably around the same age as some some of Jonathan's sons. Let me read a section to you. Again, this is from page 97 of the Chronology of the Old Testament. As Saul occupied the throne 40 years, Acts 13.21, it should be readily apparent that the dates assigned to the beginning and termination of his reign will not alter the legitimacy of the following proposition. Jonathan is said to have led a thousand men in an assault against the Philistine garrison at Geba after Saul had reigned two years over Israel, 1 Samuel 13.1-3. Thus, at this time, Jonathan is at least 20 years old, Numbers 1.3. Upon the death of Saul, 1 Samuel 31, 30-year-old David became king over Judah and ruled from the capital at Hebron for seven years and six months, 2 Samuel 2, 1-11, and 5, 3-5. This allows us to fix the year of David's birth as being ten years into Saul's reign and about eight years after Jonathan's sortie against the Philistines. Therefore, Jonathan's age must exceed that of David's by no less than 28 years. After reading that again, I got to thinking about the genealogies given here as compared to the genealogy of David and his descendants given earlier in Chronicles. And I did a little side by side. Now, 
It's hard to say because we know, obviously, like David had Solomon when he was quite a bit older, and we don't know the ages that these men's fathers were when they were born. But when you do them side by side, you can see that these sons of Azel, who seem to be given here as those have, who have returned from Babylon, are in a generation that matches with how the generations of the kings descended from David are laid out. So just in conclusion, for some reason, this section of the genealogy was meant for a confirmation here of the information that was also given in chapter 8. And we are now set up to conclude Saul's sad history, though it looks like some of his descendants did return after exile. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 